We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 80. Scott, how are you? You know, we have a lot of things to go on today. Number 80 is a, is a big deal. I'm excited about it. We have some some actual stats that you asked for about the actual 80 show. And yeah, well, now that I'm back, we didn't go lazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can actually do some work for this show rather than just see what needs to happen over there. Yeah, see what needs to happen. You need to be here so you can get all these details. <laughs> Episode 80, we we at, we made the call out. What's a good stat for number 80? And we got a few of them. The first is that it was the career total of home runs for Wally Pip before he got Wally Pipped by Lou Gehrig. Did Wally Pip get Wally Pipped? See, that's a confused. That's like sort of inception. Yeah. Like, what happened? Can Wally right. Pip get Wally Pip when he? I don't is know if he the can. Starter of Wally Pip. Yeah, I wonder who was who was Wally Pip before Wally Pip was. That's the question. I think in hindsight, he did get Wally Pipped, even though he is Wally Pip himself. 
see, I don't think that's possible. That's the problem. I don't think I think burnt out attorney needs to help us out with this one. <laughs> who was who? What was Wally Pip like? What did he get? Who was Wally Pip before Wally Pip? There had this to been somebody. Is, this is one of those things where it's like I just I can't figure it out in my brain. Sort of like um, you know sometimes when you think about stars and you're like, wait, how far is that away? It just doesn't compute in your head sometimes uh, with this sort of Wally Pip thing. It's like time travel. Also, it's like it's just really confusing. Well, that doesn't exist. But what? Wally Pip time travel, right? How do you know that? I I just I just know it. <laughs> um, I, came, I came from the I came from the past to tell you that it's uh, it doesn't exist. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, it's also the career playoff total RBI for Burn Baby Burn Bernie Williams, and uh, last but not least, it is the career Yankee stolen bases for Paul O'Neill. And uh, speaking of Paul O'Neill, I wrote my Friday column about the Warrior himself, Paul O'Neill, and why he was my favorite player growing up. Uh, so if you guys have not read that yet, definitely read it. It's a it's a nice flashback to the 1996 World Series and also the late 90s teams with O'Neill, where he was definitely one of the leaders in that clubhouse. Yeah, no, it was good. It's 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 a lot of fun reading back on those teams, obviously, because that's probably my favorite era for the Yankees. But we're gonna be doing a lot of stuff around the 90s, 1996 season this year too, and and. It's going to be ramped up, I think, towards the uh, middle and end of the season. So definitely check out for that. But you're going to see a lot of stuff uh, about these about these guys in that in that era, and you know the kind of the beginning of of the uh, of that dynasty that they had. So um, definitely a good article, and uh, it was fun to read. So nice job on that. I appreciate it. Coming up in the show later, uh, we spoke with Pinstripe Prospects uh, about the Yankees minor league guys, and we recorded that just before we're recording now. So that will be towards the end of the episode. It's about a half hour to 40 minutes of an interview with Robert Pimsner. So stay tuned for that. Uh, before we get into some Yankee stuff, though, Scott, you wanted to tell some people about what we're doing with Steiner Sports. Yeah, a little housekeeping with Bronx Pinstripes. We've been uh, we've been actually doing some really cool stuff with with Steiner Sports. Um, we we're, we're starting to build a relationship with these guys in 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 the fact that we're doing uh, we're going to be attending a lot of their events as well, um, and we're able to to get some some good access to some of the guys that they have. Uh, at their signings, you know, the last week we had an uh, interview with David Cohn, Keith McPherson of of Bronx Pinstripes was there to interview him. Uh, Rich Kaufman and the Recap Machine Ryan Nakata were all three there at the at the perfect show out on Long Island. So that was a good time. And uh, David Cohn was awesome. We, we got a, a good interview with him. So definitely check that out if you haven't seen it. Um, and we're also doing a giveaway with Steiner Sports right now. We're giving away a Goose Gossage Hall of Fame ball. It's a uh, it's a Hall of Fame signed goose gossage ball so definitely check that out and it's a two week two week giveaway that we're doing you can enter that in the next two weeks uh, but go on to our website you'll see it on there and uh and then also we'll be tweeting it out and it'll be on facebook a few times but so definitely check that out and, and get in on that and and that's that's something that's going to be really good with uh with you know a, kind of a newfound relationship with steiner is that we're going to be able to to op- give you guys opportunities to win some really cool stuff we're going to be partnering with them on on giveaways um not only of of memorabilia, but also to uh, to events, tickets for events, and things like that. So, it's good. We're we're having a lot of stuff that we're going to be able to uh, to kind of pay it forward to to the rest of you guys, uh, from from one Yankee fan to another, which is awesome. And then lastly, 
Speaking of 96, we are doing our Bronx Pinstripes team outing. We do it every year. I go and we get a bunch of tickets for uh, for all of our writers and everybody who contributes to Bronx Pinstripes, and we all go to a game together. We all sit in the bleachers. It's a it's a yearly tradition that we've done. This year we're gonna we really want to open it up and and kind of do a meetup for for anybody else too because uh, we we know we have a lot of loyal readers, loyal listeners. So if you are going to be at the August 13th game, which is the 96 celebration. Definitely let us know, you know, shoot us an email, a tweet, me or Andrew or Bronx Pinstripes or whatever, and, and let us know that you're going to be there because we, we may be doing something with a little breakfast beer situation beforehand and should be a lot of fun. We'd, we'd love to, to put together a meetup and, and get uh, get together with you guys so we can we can all meet face to face. It'd be a lot of fun to do that. So definitely let us know if you're doing that and we'll get some more information as that is uh, as that planned and firmed up. So a lot of good things going on. You're talking about a little kegs and eggs situation. Little kegs and eggs. I was. This is my my preliminary name is breakfast breakfast beers for twenty years. I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, I remember kegs and eggs from college. One of my one of my favorite things. Yeah, I just don't know if I could deliver on the eggs. That's the only reason I wasn't going to say that. Well, everyone can go get an egg sandwich beforehand. I'm sure there's a, a local spot in the Bronx where you can get a you go. fabulous egg sandwich that won't give you uh, some diarrhea later. Oh, and, there, uh, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Nice. And uh, you can have some kegs on us. Uh, all right. Uh, last bit of housekeeping is that uh, since next week is the 4th of July, we will be airing the show on Tuesday. And it actually works out because the Yankees are playing a day game on Monday. And I'm sure everyone's going to be at a family barbecue or at the beach, um, you know, not basically not online listening to podcasts. So we will be airing that show on Tuesday. All right. So let's get into some Yankee stuff. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is CC Sabathia, who we spoke about last week as having a huge rebound season. Um, and, you know, he did struggle in his last outing. Uh, but, you know, regardless of that, the, the scary thing was that he left the in, uh, left the game on Wednesday and then went immediately and had an x-ray on his ankle. Uh, but it seems like he's going to be OK. Yeah, I think this was more of a this is like the, the very, very typical, you know, precautionary x-ray or MRI or whatever, whatever a player gets if something feels a little bit off and they do it just in case. Because sometimes when you have a bruise or something feels discomfort, they, they go into an x-ray machine, you find like a hairline fracture and something that can, can get a lot worse. So it's a good thing that nothing was found. Um, but yeah, you know, this is his first bad outing we've, that, that we've had in quite some time. So uh, I, I don't chalk it up to anything else but a bad outing, and uh, and we'll see. You know, is it, would it be alarming if this were to continue? Absolutely, but we have no reason to believe it will. CC should be ready to make his next start, so should be all good. Yeah, the, the situation with CC, he was so good for so long, and we sort of talked about how he was putting a lot of guys on base, and eventually that's going to come back to bite you, and it and it did in his last start against Colorado, but. I, I think you know he's not going to be the .82 ERA guy for the rest of the season, but I, I think he can be a very good pitcher. You know, low threes ERA, which is certainly very good, and that's what I think he he has been this season. Um, also, uh, because he's been so good, is that his name has also been floated in trade rumors. Obviously, the Yankees could be potential sellers this year. And CC, because of his resurgence, has been floated, um, not necessarily not necessarily floated by the Yankees, but just brought up on, you know, if you go on MLB trade rumors or something like that. Uh, thinking back to the beginning of this year, we, we thought the Yankees were going to be stuck with that contract. No one was ever going to touch it. But somebody might want to trade for CC now. Of course, he would have to waive his no trade clause because he is a 10-5 guy. 
I'm just not really putting much stock in the fact that his name is being floated as a as a real option. I don't know. I mean, he's still an aging guy who has yes, he's had a resurgence in the in the beginning of this year, but you know, we've also seen resurgences like this become you know not very long term and, and they've been short lived, especially when you're dealing with a guy who is aging, has a, a bum knee, and has a, a you know really relies on that knee brace. So I don't know. I, I don't know how many, you know, I don't know what you would get and get back for this guy. I don't, I think the Yankees would still have to eat a lot of the contract in order for that to happen. And at that point, I don't know if it's worth it because obviously we know we have, we have another year with him. And if he's pitching to this effect and we have to eat a lot of the contract anyway, it might, he, he'd be better served on this team, you know, bringing up the back end of the rotation. That's a good point. I was even thinking that they might not get anybody back and it would just be a salary dump if someone agrees to take, you know, 90% of that money or something like that. I just don't see that happening. I don't see them taking on that much money for a guy that's such a still a question mark. I know he's had a lot of success, but he's still a question mark. Big question mark. Absolutely. Um yeah, and speaking of, of the the question marks that the Yankees are facing going into this trade deadline, last week on the 21st, Hal and Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman sort of made some some news talking about if the Yankees would be sellers or not. Hal basically said that he expects the Yankees to be in the playoff mix towards the trade deadline. And Cashman said after that that he is going to be realistic about this team. And if he thinks the best strategy is to sell, he'll make that recommendation to Hal Steinbrenner and Yankees ownership. Um, but the the problem with that is if you look at the standings, the Yankees are two and a half games out of the wild card spot, which is amazing considering how inconsistent they've been all season. Two and a half games is, quote, in the mix. You might use your eyes and look at this team and say, this does not look like a playoff team, which is what I feel. But no one can argue two and a half games is not in the playoff mix. Yeah, that's crazy. When you look at that and you see that they're only two and a half games out after such inconsistent play, it's it's really, I guess, a testament to how inconsistent and and really there's no... There's not a lot of top-tier talent in the American League this year. It, it, everybody's kind of leveling off and beating each other up. And the fact that they're two and a half games out, if this continues and they're, you know, around that same, you know, around that same area, this is this is something that Cashman talked about. He said, you know, in this in this next stretch before the you know the All Star break and just after the All Star break, the, the Yankees got to show who they are. You know, they got to show what kind of a player they are. They have to either say or a team there either say yes, we're we're a team that's going to compete, or no, we're not. You know, this they need to show their heads and. This is the fear, in my opinion. If they're two and a half games out like that, you can't sell, and the New York Yankees really can't sell if they're if they're that close because that's a puncher's chance right there. And if you're a puncher's chance away from a playoff a playoff uh, spot, and even if it is a one game wild card spot, you got to take your chances because anything can happen when it comes to October baseball, and and the Yankees know that. So it's it's just leading more and more down the line that they're not going to sell, in my opinion. Here's the problem. Ahead of them in the standings is Detroit, the White Sox, Seattle, Houston, and Kansas City. And the two teams that are sitting in wildcard spots right now are Boston and Toronto. So they would have to jump over one, two, three, four, five, six teams. That's so many teams to worry about. Two and a half games might not seem like a lot, but they're six teams behind. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of different scenarios that, have, that are going to play out towards the end of the year. That's crazy. And that, the that, reason- this is really going to go down to the last game. Well, it's the reason that Fangrass, if you look at their playoff percentages, that the Yankees are only at 15.5%. A normal team that's two and a half games out would be way higher than 15.5%, but it's obviously taking into consideration all of the other teams, like you said, so many scenarios. 
Yeah, and, and at that point, you know, how much do you weigh those scenarios ahead of you, the games ahead of you? Look, at the, at the end of the day, I, I kind of spotted this out uh, later for the show, but I think it's something we could talk about now because I think this is when the when the rubber meets the road. I know we have the All-Star game coming in July 12th. That's, that's kind of a point where you can look at your season and be like, okay, this is kind of who we are. But for the Yankees, the trade deadline is a little late this year. It's August 1st is the non-tender trade deadline or the uh, non-waiver. It's 24 uh, hours late. <laughs> Yeah, it's the non-waiver trade deadline. But before that, between the All-Star break and and before the trade deadline, the the Yankees have this schedule. They have the Red Sox for three, the Orioles for four, and then three against the Giants, the Astros, and the Rays. The Red Sox and the Orioles, obviously, we know are going to be very tough games, in-division games. That's gonna There's, there's going to be a lot to prove in those two games. Giants are playing extremely well. It's an even-numbered even season, so we know what they do. The Astros are starting to play better, and... In my opinion, they are a much better team than they had been in the beginning of the season. So th- that's a that's going to be a very tough team, especially if we, if we uh, face Dalek Keuchel, who's practically our kryptonite. And then the Rays is a, is a team that's obviously they're struggling right now. So, but who knows what they are right now? But that's a stretch that's going to say, hey, before the trade deadline, this is this is who you are, and this is who or who, this is who you are not. And I think that that stretch of games is uh, is going to is going to lead them to it. So I think it's going to come down to the the end of that Astro series to really find out what we are. But okay, so now we're now we're saying that that stretch of games is the one that's going to make or break this season. I mean, it's right we've said that, that twice already. And uh, I know we've said this twice already and both times the Yankees came out at 500. So how many times do we have to see the Yankees go 500 over this important 15 game stretch or 16 game stretch before we realize this is a 500 team and that's all they are? Because I have a feeling in that stretch, that's the type of stretch. I don't know if you can go 500 in that stretch. I, I just, okay, because so you're saying they'll yeah. be like five and ten, and then it's like, okay, now we really got to sell. That's kind of what I'm looking at. I, I, you know, it's 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 the type of it's the type of stretch that looks just like a it looks awful. When you look at those, when you look at the Red Sox, the Orioles, the Giants, and the Astros, throw throw away the Rays. Who cares about that series? It's the last one, three games. You're either screwed or you're or you're in good shape by that point. And the Yankees are going to have to play very well, and they're going to have to get a lot of good pitching, and they're going to have to start hitting the ball. Because those teams can hit, and that's the, the first two teams, the Red Sox and the Orioles, their, their struggling point is their pitching. And if we're not hitting, they're going to hit our pitching. It's not, it's, 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 they're going to hit our pitching. I guarantee it. It's gonna, those are going to be slugfest games. And if we're not hitting at that point, we're in deep trouble. What I'm worried about is Cashman says he wants to he's going to be realistic and and I really hope he is and I and I trust him that trust him on that because if there's if Cashman's one thing I think he is realistic and he's honest. He's got to compare the Yankees to the other teams that I mentioned that are above them in the standings and he's got to ask himself if the Yankees are better than those teams. And I don't think the answer is yes. And one thing I worry about is that they right now they have guys on their roster who have trade value like Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran, as hot as he's been and as good as he's been, he's a ticking time bomb for an injury. He's one tweak knee away from sucking and having no trade value. So I don't want to hang on to these guys forever. If 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 we're looking at this team objectively, this is not a good team. It's not a playoff team. I don't want to wait and then hope that these guys still have trade value on July 30th. You're preaching to the choir. You know how I feel about this team. You know my 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 projections on this team and where they're going to finish at this point. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're going to pull the trigger on a guy like that who's who's just raking for you. And even though he has, 
you know, the highest value you could possibly have right now as a rental for, for one of these teams. I mean, this, especially an American League team for, for Beltran slotting him in as a DH. I mean, he is the ultimate DH. He's the perfect DH. So I agree with you, but if, if, we're, if we're still two and a half games out, granted there are six teams ahead of us, and we're and we're you know muddying around. We're we're in muddy water, but we're not we're not drowning, and we're not you know like you know in in a in a path that's that's leading towards a division title. This this team is gonna is gonna flip flop back and forth whether we're sellers or or we're buyers. So and that really is the worst case scenario, right? It just, really is the just, worst case scenario. Just hovering around five hundred, kind of in the, the race. fact that we don't know who this team is. Yeah. Um, you, I but, think you and I th- think we know who this team is. Right, right. But but you're right. Even if Cashman is going to Hal Steinbrenner and saying, listen, I'm doing, you know, I'm looking around the league and, and I put us behind all of these teams and it's just unrealistic for us to, to hop over all these teams. Hal Steinbrenner is going to say, I cannot sell two and a half games out and then like look at my fans in the face, which right. I do understand. But I just, I just... I, w- I would I would be okay with it, and I think you would too. At, at the same time, I would make the argument that this, this would be the year where you could look at your fans in their face and say, guys, listen, I know that we're not a great team this year, so what we're going to do is we're going to make our team better for the future and give you guys years of winning because we believe in our young guys, and what we're going to do right now is we're going to take all of our assets and we're going to trade them for young guys who can contribute in the Bronx for the future. We want to put a winner on this field for years to come i just had like the thumb out with the political <laughs> that was like, yeah that was beautiful that was sort of that's, like the president's speech at the end of independence day that was exactly. beautiful i i swear i had my thumb out like that too he he's got to do that because that we would all look at him and be like yes thank you thank you for taking a leadership stance thank you for taking you know having the balls to say that and move forward because we don't want to watch this team struggle like this in and out, you know, go through these streaks. We want something to believe in. We want some kids to come up and take this city by storm. We don't want this mediocre thing that potentially could do something maybe on one day and then just be a train wreck the next day. That's not what we want. I think the fans are okay with that now. I really do believe that. The sense of the fan base is that we want to build for the future. The Yankees right now are in a rare position where they could sell and it and it, we'd be so fine with the guys that they're trading. Carlos Beltran, Araldis Chapman, Andrew Miller. If we want to really get creative, Brian McCann or or uh, Ivan Nova or Brett Gardner. Is anyone really going to be devastated if the Yankees trade those guys for prospects that are uh, close to major league ready and can help this team in 2017 for the next 10 years? I mean, I'm looking around the league and I read something um, on Baseball Prospectus about the Pittsburgh Pirates are sort of in a situation like the Yankees where they're hovering around 500 and they're really far. I mean, they're not going to catch the Cubs, obviously. The the National League is so top heavy that the Pirates, even though they've had a lot of good seasons in the last few years, they're just not having that great of a year. And, you know, you're not going to get by with 83 wins in the National League this year. The wild card last year had what ninety one wins? 90- no, no, ninety seven. Oh, my bad, ninety seven wins. Something crazy. Yeah, ninety seven and ninety eight last year. So yeah, that's that, right. That's that's, that's insane ball. Um, but the Pittsburgh Pirates are, are honestly thought about trading Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon is the cornerstone of their franchise, and they're looking themselves in the mirror and saying, "We might have to trade this guy to to better ourselves in the long term." Think about how difficult it would be to pitch that to Pittsburgh Pirates fans. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon is their Derek Jeter. He, this is their guy. This is the guy that's been the face of the Pirates for the last six, seven, eight years, and he's a filthy center fielder. I mean, he's a great player. 
The Yankees would not be trading anybody near the caliber of Andrew McCutcheon. But it, and it would be so easy to sell the Yankee fans. that I just don't think that opportunity comes around you know, every year if you're a seller. Yeah, I agree. I, one, I don't believe that they're they're. they're I, I have a feeling that was thrown out there, and you know, I don't know how much stock is behind that because I can never imagine them to to trade McCutcheon at this point. But this because this is a team that won ninety seven, ninety eight games last year. They were one of those two teams. The the fact of the matter is, and you're absolutely right in the sense that as fans, when we look at this Yankees team, we don't have our guy on that team anymore. That guy is not there. You know who's building themselves to be one of those guys at this point? Didi is is doing his damnedest to, to become one of those guys. And Starling Castro kind of came over as as kind of the new toy that we're all looking at. And, and you know, we, we kind of have uh, – we, we revere over, a little, I'd say, more than most. Those two guys are not, are not being discussed. I mean, they are – practically untouchable they're not they're not remotely in these any of these talks but aside from those guys you know Gardy maybe just because he's a homegrown guy but I, I don't think people think that way anymore and I, listen I love Gardy and I think he's a he plays tough and I respect that out of him but I I'll drive him to the airport if you're going to get something good in return yeah I just don't know what you're going to get for him uh, at, at this point but I think the guys that we're most looking forward to are the ones that are in AAA that are about to come up. Those are our guys. I mean, honestly, the one guy that I like the most right now on this team, and I know this isn't going to be news to you or anybody who listens to this show on a regular basis, it's Rob Refschneider. I love the fucking, I love the kid. <laughs> I love the kid in the sense that he games up for every, you know, every single time he's out there. He he does whatever he needs for this team, and I, I love that. I absolutely love that attitude. And and those are the guys that we want, the, the homegrown guys that are coming up or a guy that we trade is real young who comes up through the system a little bit more and, you know, and makes his mark with the Yankees. Those are the guys that we get behind. Those are the guys. You're, you're absolutely right. And you kind of were getting at to the question I was going to ask you. It's like, look up and down this 25-man roster. Who would you be upset if they traded? Who do you think Yankee fans would really be devastated and there would be outrage if they traded? Maybe Dylan Batances? Batantis, the two guys out the middle, and all the guys we've been talking about in AAA. Right. Nobody so that's wants not many guys. guys to go away. <laughs> that's not many guys. Yeah. No. Nobody wants any of those guys in AAA to go away. Everybody wants them to play in the bigs because we've been hearing about them so much. They've been highly touted. Those are the guys they want to succeed. That's that's what the Yankee fan wants. The Yankee fan wants those guys to succeed. We want to win with our guys. We don't. It's it's yes. We 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 love championships. No matter you know where they come from, when they come, at the same time, when you have an option between getting, you know, going with your homegrown guys and then winning a title or bringing guys in every day, twice on Sunday, the Yankee fan is going to say, "Bring on my own guys," because we love our homegrown guys in New York. That's that's just it's just what we do, and the fact that we have guys who are on the cusp of being the bigs, you know, obviously with Judge, with the big fanfare with Judge, he's a big dude. We've been hearing a lot about him. Um, Ref Snyder's up. Gary Sanchez is a guy. These are the guys that we want to see. Greg Bird, who is we saw last year. I mean, do you remember how exciting it was when Greg Bird was playing well and how how much attention he was getting by the you know from the Yankee fans? I mean, I, that was a guy that they were probably the most excited for because he was succeeding in the Bronx and he was our guy. Absolutely, it. absolutely. It's always more fun when you have a guy that is homegrown versus a guy that's a free agent. And I've seen I've seen people sort of joking. It's like they, mocking the Yankees' quote rebuild plan, and their rebuild plan is basically spend a ton of money on Bryce Harper and whoever else is a free agent in a couple years. And I think you you'll probably agree with me, but 
I'm so sick of that. I'm so sick of rebuilding through free agency. One, because it's not sustainable. I mean, they did it in 2009 and won a World Series and it was great, but they had three years of success and then the last three years have been pretty ugly. So when you when you go after these gigantic free agents and spend a half a billion dollars in an offseason on three or four players, I mean, shit's going to hit the fan in a couple years. That's just the nature of free agency. So I just... I, I, I I don't, it's so obvious that it needs to happen through your farm system. That's how sustained success happens. There's a reason why there was sustained success through night from 96 through 2003 to, you know, through the early 2000s. It was because these guys were, were, were groomed. They all came, they came together at around uh, very close around the same time. And then what they did in free agency is they filled holes. They didn't build through free agency. They filled holes with free agency. And that to me is what free agency is for. You build through your system, you build your guys, and then you plug your holes with free agency. Like you said, building through free agency is not sustainable. Trying to plug these guys in there in, in, in different areas all over the field. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Maybe, you know, there's there's been a few a few seasons where lightning has been caught in a bottle, but it's not it's not something that's gonna that, that's gonna be that give, gives you a look look at the St. Louis Cardinals, man. The St. Louis Cardinals have probably one of the best or run organizations, and it's because they have built through their system and they have guys just replacing their their free agents year after year after year. And it's it's amazing how you see that type of that type of system work, and it's worked for a long time. That's what the Yankees are going to, and I think it's very obvious. You know, we've talked before the season started the the plan and the kind of the path of what the, where the Yankees are going right now, and I think it's very obvious where they're going and what they're doing, and that is building through their system. So, I, I'm I I know that they're on the right path. They are. I agree. They're on the right path, and they're building through their system, and I I think they're in a situation where they could accelerate that growth through their system by moving a few of these players this year. Exactly. And, this, is and it, this is the year to do it. You could yep. you could add another cop, you know, they could add another 2 to 3 really good prospects by trading some of these guys and then you're thinking about this huge crop of prospects that could come up in the next couple of years. Because the nature of a prospect is it, it it's it's you know, it's 50-50 on some of these guys. So, you're not going to hit on all of them. There's a lot of guys there, there's about 5 guys who we're really excited about. If three of them hit, that's that's tremendous success. So you got to maximize your odds. You got to get as many top talent players as you possibly can. Um, all right. So a uh, bit of news uh, before we go into some of these game breakdowns uh, on some of these starting pitchers that I know we want to touch on. First is that the Yankees, thank God, DFA'd Ike frickin' Davis instead of sending Rob Refsnyder down when they activated Teixeira. This would have been a very different show. This would have been a very different show had they sent Rob Refsnyder down. But it was because of the play that Refsnyder w- was doing on the field. He he earned the job, and they finally gave him credit where credit is due. I mean, he's he's been raking. He's he's back up to, I think, just under 300. He was at 300 for a little bit. I think he's at 290-something at this point. But, you know, the, the biggest thing is we knew he was going to hit, right? Because that's what he does. He hits. He was in a bit of a slump, but but came back out of it. Um, the dude has tough at bats every single time, and that's being recognized finally by this team. And the other thing that's being recognized is that this guy has flexibility and versatility in the field. And the fact that he has the versatility gives Joe, uh, Joe Girardi the flexibility to to plug him in the lineup in different places because he can play you know different spots in the field. Is he a Gold Glover? No, he's not a Gold Glover. We know that, but. 
He can play admirably. He knows we know he can play that, and he gives he works his butt off, man. This is a guy that just doesn't have any excuses. He just goes in there and plays the game. I love it. Ike Davis said that he would go to AAA if no one claims him, and I think it's because he realized that Teixeira is a ticking time bomb and might not stay healthy through the rest of the season. So he could very easily get called back up if the Yankees need a first baseman in a couple weeks. Uh, Teixeira was activated on Saturday, and I believe he has one hit since returning. It was a solo home run on Sunday. Uh, I, but that was his first home run since, what, April 14th or 9th or yeah, early April? Something crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, at least that's that's a positive sign. That, that's a positive sign because we talked about Teixeira as being that guy who could really change this lineup. And, and you know, if he's hitting that this lineup is a different animal at that point, and the fact that he hit a home run today is, is definitely positive. You know, I know the game was out of reach at that point, but you know, to me that doesn't really matter as much as you look at at the you know he hit a he he found some some power that he has not found in months. So that's that's definitely a good sign. It is, and I mean, how many times have we said he's the X factor? He was having a tremendous 2015, and the Yankees' offense was was going pretty good. So his bat does change the dynamic. Um, all right, so the Yankees this week had a uh, a do-over from the previous week. They played another two games against Colorado and then another series against Minnesota. The Colorado game started out where they picked up where they left off in Coors Field. Uh, Ivan Nova struggled, put the team in a big hole early. I looked up some stats on him. His first five starts were pretty damn good. Uh, 3.41 ERA. He gave up 29 hits in 29 innings pitched, so one-to-one. And then his four starts since then, 7.59 ERA, 31 hits in 21 innings pitched, which is horrendous. So I think he has officially turned back into a pumpkin. Uh, he's a 500 pitcher. He's this, he's this team. So it's 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 a guy. I mean, you're looking at the the good starts when in the first five starts, he's still giving up a hit in inning, which is, you know, it's it's not what you want. <laughs> it, as Joe Girardi says, it's not what you want. But yeah, but that's this, always kind of been Ivan Nova. I understand that. That's that's kind of where that's why we know that his uh, that his ceiling is extremely capped. So this is a guy that's, you know, he's almost like a knuckleballer in the sense that you you're gonna get a good outing, you're gonna get a bad outing, and it's gonna and it's gonna kind of flip flop from there. He'll go through streaks. Um, so he he is who we thought he is, I guess. <laughs> what was that NFL coach that said that? It was uh, the Cardinals coach. Yeah, uh, that was Dennis. after. <laughs> that was after one of the craziest Monday Night Football games I ever remember watching. Wasn't it like Devin Hester scored like a punt yeah, return touchdown and a kick return touchdown? It was the Cardinals versus the, sh- the, Bears, the Bears, I think. Yeah. We are, they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. We let them off the hook. I believe that was the year the Bears went to the Super Bowl. With Rex Grossman. <laughs> Sexy Rexy. All right. Uh, Wednesday was the bad Dennis out. Green. Dennis Green. Sorry. How Did you just that? think of that or look that up? Just thought of it. Wow. Good memory. Wednesday, the Yankees won the game in a slugfest, 9-8 against Colorado. And it was the bad start from CC we alluded to. Um, it was the first time all year he's let up three earned or more than three earned runs in a start. Think about that. that that's pretty crazy. So the Yankees pitching got crushed by Colorado hitting the entire uh, four games that they played against them. They got 35 runs in four games. Colorado's a good offensive team. But I mean that's that's just horrendous. They have some young. I mean, this is the first time I've seen that team, obviously, uh, against the Yankees. But I haven't seen them play before, 
you know, that series, the first series. And they have a lot of good young kids up and down that lineup. You know, they, they have a bright future. If, if, if they could ever find some pitching, you know, in that ballpark, I don't even know if that's possible. But if you could ever find some, some guys that, you know, a lot of ground ball pitchers, a lot of ground ball pitchers, that's all I would be looking for, ground ball pitchers, if I was Colorado. But they have some really good young talent. That, that Trevor Story kid, while he strikes out a ridiculous amount, like stupid amounts, and this is another thing. I could go on a tangent about the 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 fact that we're everybody in the world now is okay with the strikeout. It's so irritating to me. But anyway, he's a good young uh, hitter. He's a rookie. Um, and I think he's got 19 or 20 home runs. The kids kids on pace for uh, having a hell of a season. Well, you know why everyone's okay with the strikeout? It's because those guys hit a lot of home runs, and power is so rare in the game today. I guess it just it drives me crazy because it's such bad baseball. Well, that's why Chris Davis got one hundred and seventy million. I know, and I know, and that's and that's why we're living with a Rod right now because it's either a single or a home run or a strikeout because he cannot hit anything but a fastball, and it's only when he guesses on it. Well, he got benched today. It's 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 tough to watch. In all honesty, it's really tough to watch. That type of player is like the worst part of of um, the offense in baseball in today's game, in my opinion. I, I can't stand watching it. We have a lot of guys who can make contact and go base to base because we don't see as much power. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're okay with that because there's more of these other guys, more of the Billy Bean type guys that, that, you know, hit for hitting the gap um, and go and go station to station or go, you know, or, or, or stroking doubles. But it's really tough baseball to watch because there's so many opportunities when there are men on base that these guys strike out. And yes, I know at the end of the day, when we look at their card, the, the whole cliche of their home runs and their RBIs will be there. But there are so many more opportunities where if they just put the damn bat on the ball, something good would happen and, and you know, would make this team less streaky that, that it drives me insane. And, and that's why A-Rod, this A-Rod drives me nuts. It's, it's really tough to watch him play baseball now. The Trevor Story or Chris Davis uh, model of player does not translate to October baseball because you face way better pitching and right. you have fewer and fewer opportunities to have with guys on base and you got to take advantage of them. I mean, look at the Royals last year; they put the ball in play a ton, right? Put pressure on the defense. You know, they didn't hit a ton of home runs, but they hit they hit a lot of balls. You know, in the gaps and the, and they put pressure on 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 the defenses to and that's how they made that's how they scored runs. That's how they made things happen. And, you know, you look at a team like the Cubs, who got swept by the Mets last year in the playoffs. I mean, they hit a ton of home runs all season and against the Cardinals. And then they went up against, you know, the Matt Harvey, uh, you know, Matt Harvey, Syndergaard and DeGrom. And they got shut down because they strike out a lot. So, yeah. And that's the and I'm not ready to put story into that into that category just yet. I mean, he's a rookie as well. So I think a lot of that is growing. I don't know if he's going to be the guy that's going to strike out as much. He, I mean, he's a shortstop at the same time. He's an athletic dude. I have a feeling he's going to make some adjustments uh, to to that. You know, he's going to be swinging at better pitches. Pitch selection is going to be a big deal for him. But he's a kid that was. Um, he's a, he's an exciting an exciting player to watch. The game on Wednesday uh, was won by a Castro walk off homer. His first career walk off home run. Obviously, first career one with the Yankees. And I believe, uh, as Michael K would say, that was his signature Yankee moment. Yeah, it's kind of a welcome to the welcome to the Bronx. I tweeted that as he hit it. People were like, "Oh, he's been here for a long time." I'm like, I get it. I thank you. I've been watching every single game. I know he's been here. <laughs> it's like, thank you very much. I appreciate that tweet. That was really well thought out. But at the same time, this is, this is those are coming. the same people that tweet you jinx when you when uh, you jinx a no hitter in the fifth inning. So yeah, like obviously I, I I get it, but but 
when you're a Yankee and you have a big hit like that, it's like the Giambi rain game. Um, you know, you, you're waiting for that big hit, and it's usually the walk off. That's your moment. That's that's kind of when you arrive, in my opinion. That's when you earn those pinstripes. So, yeah, it was it was a it was definitely a good moment for Castro. Giambi rain game. That was that was epic. That was uh, that was a freaking ridiculous game. Yeah, 2002. I remember watching that game. It was like the 14th inning against the Twins, and I was still awake watching that game. Um. So the Yankees, uh, with the win against Colorado, uh, moved to two and five so far in interleague play, which is really bad because the Yankees usually clean up in interleague play. Yeah, well, I mean, not this year. This is what are we talking about from other teams? No, this- no. I mean, even I, even the last few years, they've uh, sort of always saved their season when interleague play rolled around in June because they'd play like seven hundred ball against National League teams. I mean, if you honestly, I don't even have to but look at the, the stats. I can just doing. tell. I, yeah, I, yeah, but who they have not played good teams in the National League yet. They're gonna play the Giants, which is a really good team. But they've played Arizona and uh, Colorado, and I believe that's it, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, those are not good teams. No, it's true. It's true. Arizona was, I think, one of those teams that struggled in the beginning. They've they played better, but I mean, they have they have pitching. That's a team that you could you could see struggling. Colorado, you got to beat. Um, it's just our pitching is not very good, and we we saw what their 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 bats were. I don't know. I think the National League is just a lot better than the American League right now, and I think that's what we're seeing. The National League you, is way top heavy. The but, National but, League has like f- maybe four, three or four of the best teams in baseball, and then a oh, whole bunch of horse shit. They have a bu- they have a bunch of bad teams, but at the same time, they're also playing these good teams. So how do we know that these bad teams aren't better than the American League teams? Because the American League teams are just a bunch of mediocre teams. A lot of mediocre teams. Now we're getting back into a Wally Pip situation. My you're my right. Head is spinning. You're right. That is true, but at the same time, the 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 fact that the Yankees didn't take advantage of that is not surprising. <laughs> it's not surprising because that's this is exactly what this team is. They 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 struggle when they're not supposed to. They you, they succeed when you're like, oh man, I, I didn't expect that. Then they, all of a sudden they start struggling again. So it's a 500 team. <clears throat> 500 teams do. There's 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 some interesting notes though because I think we've had some some pretty good some pretty good streaks. Like we've we've had some guys that are hitting. The all time we've talked about earlier has been just breaking the ball. I mean, this guy, talk about a resurgence. Good for him. And then Didi, we, we mentioned him. I think we might have mentioned him in the uh, in the prospect show that's coming up. But the the fact that he has has really taken his offense to another level, in my opinion, is really impressive. Like I really feel like this guy is. Is is seeing the opportunity to be the Yankees shortstop, and is taking advantage of it. I mean, clutch hitting, hitting against left-handed pitching, which we ne- his mo was he could not hit left-handed pitching, and what's he doing? He's raking, he's raking in big spots. Two out RBIs have been happening all year long. But I, I feel proud of this guy. You know what I mean? Just from watching him from the beginning, from filling in the shoes of Derek Jeter, I feel I feel proud watching him. You know, I feel like he is he's he's one of uh, one of the one of the Yankees that really get behind. Couple stats on Didi that you were alluding to. Uh, entering Sunday's game over his last eleven games, he was hitting four hundred with two homers and thirteen RBIs. And on the season, he is hitting three eighty three against lefties. Crazy. So. You know, Didi, as you were saying, I think you you would agree with me, is he's one of my favorite players on this team. And yeah. he's I think he's a player that if you watch him every day, you realize that he's better than maybe the box score shows. Right now, his stats are pretty good. 
but he does a lot of things that that are that don't show up in the box score. He's he's a tremendous fielder. He's got a rifle for an arm, yeah. and he has good at bats. He's hitting left-handed pitching. You know, he's never gonna be he's never gonna put up Derek Jeter stats. It's just he's never gonna be that player. But he's a very good shortstop. And think about last year in April, we were killing Didi. He was making base running errors. He was making boneheaded plays in the field. He was bailing out against left-handed pitching. Could not touch left-handed pitching. So, so to think about how much of a turnaround he's had over the last um, probably season of games because it really happened. In well, the, the end of last, of last season, year. He really, yeah, the end of last season, second right. half of last year, and the first half of this year, he has been one of their best, one of the Yankees' best all-around players, um, and they got him for Shane Green. So, tremendous. Put that one in the win category for Brian Cashman. Yeah, when everybody's you know just completely hating on Brian Cashman, let's let's look back at some of these wins that he's had because that's a hell of a win. When you get a when you get a shortstop like Didi Gregorius and he's putting up the numbers he is, and I, I know you're you're saying that we're kind of tempering the expectations for what he's going to do offensively, but in my opinion, he's he's really made gains and strides in in what in what we've seen and what the the um, all the scouts thought he was going to be offensively. So I don't know how much better he can get because to me, he's really made a lot of uh, a lot of you know, really good moves to progress his his offense, and I think there's more for him to do. And defensively, the kid's the kid's phenomenal. I mean, he's got like you said, he's got a cannon, and he makes some tremendous plays. They, I think the only the only area where he still needs to polish is his uh, is his base running. He's still, I'd say, less than less than uh, less than perfect is being very nice <laughs> on the on the base path. But but overall, what a, what a tremendous player he's really become. Yeah, but even if he doesn't keep making improvements and he can stay around a 285 hitter and and come up in big situations, maybe hit 10, 12 home runs on the season and play gold glove caliber defense at shortstop, that's a that's a very very good player. I agree with you. Um all right, so the Yankees uh after their uh after their interleague play, they welcomed the Minnesota Twins who have been their uh punching bag over the last 15 years. Thank God for the Minnesota Twins because imagine how many more losses the Yankees would have since probably 2002 without the Minnesota Twins. Um, the first game the Yankees won, Tanaka sort of battled through. I, I didn't watch this game, but I think uh, by looking at Twitter and I, I read the game recap, it sounded like Tanaka did not have his best stuff. You know, he was – he's one. even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he, he kind of labors through. Uh, again, the home run ball I think is a – is, is still going to be a problem for him, you know. When there's when there's runners on base, you see we saw Tanaka last year was when he gave up a home run, it was a solo shot, and he can get away with that type of thing. Um, but yeah, he didn't have his best stuff, but he still battled through, gave the Yankees an opportunity to win, and they were able to take advantage of it. So, long and short, he did his job, and the Yankees won. And on Saturday, uh, Pineda had one of his better starts of the season. He went six innings, struck out eight guys, gave up one earned run. It was just the Dozier home run. Uh, so, so he really only made one mistake. And I looked up some stats uh, on Pineda since he was, quote, challenged uh, by Girardi and management to stay in the rotation, which happened after his meltdown start in Arizona on May 17th. Since then, he's had six starts, and he's been okay. Uh, actually, he's been still kind of bad, but much better than, he, than, than his 8 ERA was. He's got a 4.81 ERA, 277 batting average against, 38 strikeouts, 38 hits, and uh, as I said, over six starts in 33.2 innings pitched. So still not up to his potential, but but way better than his 7.92 ERA. 
But we got to break it down further than those those six starts because he's really starting to hit his groove in the past two, three, maybe. But the last two have been very good, and this is this is where you know he's making. It seems like he's making those adjustments. He's still. I I, I sent out a tweet on this last one on this last um this last outing. He's still leaving two oh oh two pitches oh two pitches sorry up in the zone, and he got away with a with with a couple one later in the game. But he definitely got away with one. He's still leaving them up in the zone, which is – it's just something – I don't know why he does that. It's baffling to me. Um, but he's he's been pitching much better. You know, I think he's got one of the highest they've been they've been talking about this, the the pitch to um, – to the batters missing, I don't even know what the hell the stat is called, but it's one of the highest in the in the league uh, of the the swing to miss ratio. That's what it is. Wait, and hold on. What does that even mean? When he throws a pitch and a batter swings, that they miss or oh. they make contact. Oh. And and he's one of the highest in the league for swing to miss. Really? So he. But what that goes down to is that his stuff is still very good, and he makes boneheaded pitches sometimes. And usually they're at O2 count. So he makes two great pitches. Maybe they're swing and misses. And then on an O2 pitch, he leaves a, a breaking ball up in the zone. It's, so what we hammered. need is we need to talk to the Yankees scoreboard operator and just never put the right count up there. So there he, you go. He, he doesn't, he's, think, it's, he if he doesn't think it's an O2 because he's kind of mentally weak. If, if McCann went out there and be like, hey, just so you know, it, it's a 1-1 count right now, he'd be like, okay. And he'd bounce a slider for strike three. Wow, so you're no thinking clue. that you're saying, yeah. So what you're saying <laughs> is that Pineda has no idea what the count is on on any given batter. I, I and, think, and, he and then he looks up, anything. and then he's like Rick Vaughn or like somebody in this where he's got to look up to see what the count is on every batter. Wow, that's that's uh, that's that's some some mental fortitude right there. <laughs> Or lack of. We've seen his lack of mental fortitude, so it's possible that that could work. It's not the dumbest idea I've had, let me say that. It's up there. It's not. It's not far off. <laughs> but he has been pitching very well. Look, his stuff. We know how he's his not stuff been pitching hits. very well. He's. You can't say that. he's been pitching better. It's not very. The past well. two games, he's been pitching very well. I think the last. The last game, he pitched very well. That one. It was a one mistake pitch to to Brian Dozier. He left the ball up. Shot second inning but you know what he did he didn't let that get to him I, that was what i was looking for i want to say how does he react right now when, when brian dozier hits his ball out in the second inning still early in the game still plenty of opportunity for him to blow up mentally he didn't he came right back and got out of the inning and then pitched very well from there so that is progress and to me that's pitching well that's that's a bad pitch uh, a guy takes advantage of it and then he pitches well from there so I got to give I get the credit where credit is due, and uh, and and Pineda's definitely pushing to uh, his his abilities at this point. He needs to show me over the next few starts. So two starts is not lo- long enough I a sample size for me to say he's he's back or anything like that. Speaking he's of improving, we know what Avaldi did in May. So thank you. I was just going to make that segue. So Nathan Avaldi, we praised. I even praised Nathan Avaldi for his performance in May, which is shocking. And I, I'm I'm so mad at myself for not for for being tricked by this guy. I was tricked. I was fooled because he hit. He gave up three home runs all of May, and then after today's start, he gave up ten in the month of June. He's been ter- terrible, just absolutely terrible. Back to the Nathan Avaldi of of you know April and May of last year. Even worse than that, he's getting shelled all over the ballpark. Today he gave up four home runs, and I saw um, I forget who who tweeted this. One of the beat writers that he gave up a. Uh, uh, all all the home runs came on different pitches, fastball, splitter, slider, and curveball. So all of his pitches weren't working today. It's so frustrating when you watch this guy. I, and I, I tweeted out from from my account that 
I'm done. I can't. I cannot defend him anymore. This is inexcusable. When he's when he's pitching, what what inning was that? Was that the fifth inning or the sixth inning? Sixth. It was the sixth inning. He was pitching very well. Yeah, and the, the offense wasn't inning. doing many favors. They were getting they were doing freaking it. I literally, no you know hit by Tyler Duffy. Do you know what was happening right then? I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't told you this yet. When when this was happening, literally after the fifth inning, when he came out to the sixth inning, I was literally in Photoshop making a meme that of him with that with that face when he's like snarling. You know the picture I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. And it says, "I remember when you guys used to score runs for me." That I was literally. I had just <laughs> finished it, and then boom. So I think you you were the – so this is where if I were on Twitter, I'd be like, jinx. Yeah. So needless to say, I didn't send out that image (laughs) and it was going to be a good one and we would have gotten a lot of retweets. Thank you very much, Nathan Evaldi, for not giving me my retweets that I covet so much. But yeah, I I can't defend him anymore. It's terrible. You know – that that is mental. That is all mental right there. That that is you not executing your pitches, and that goes from the brain down. Your brain has to tell your fingers. You 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 lose the feel for these pitches. I was just told. I didn't even know this that he gave up those pitches on all those different on every on a different pitch every time on those home runs. It's crazy to me, man. It I, I cannot defend this guy when you pitch that well through five innings, and he did. He pitched very well. It was a it was a home run. Yeah, it was a one nothing ball game. Yes, good job. I'm ready to like start gloating on this on this podcast. Then all of a sudden, this dude just blows up and just melts down. It's embarrassing to tell you the truth. It's terrible. He should be embarrassed for what happened. Yes, and the Yankees overall today should be embarrassed because they could have swept a Minnesota team that is one of the worst teams in baseball. They were at home. They could have swept. They had Tyler Duffy uh, going up against them. Here's last seven starts, earned runs given up by Tyler Duffy. Six, five, five, four, six, four, six. And he comes in and takes a perfect game against you into the sixth inning? Are you kidding me? That's unacceptable. That That is why this team is going nowhere. Because they let Tyler Duffy shove the bats down their throats for six innings. Yeah, it's... It's bad news. It's bad news. And and the fact that, you know, you're at a tight game right there. You know it's a tight game. You know this kid's pitching well, pitching out of his mind. And then Evaldi lets lets his, you know, his mental his mental makeup just completely broke down at that point. And, you know, three home runs in a row? Come on, brother. What are you doing? Like, like I, I I got nothing. I, I, I can't defend you anymore. I'm done. I, I, I got nothing. You you're you screwed me. I tweeted out that the godfather the godfather uh the Godfather quote with uh, with with Al Pacino and Fredo, terrible man, broke my heart. <clears throat> I've never seen The Godfather. You have, oh my, you broke my heart just by saying that. It's crazy. I know. It's you hard. need to get off this podcast right now when we're done, and you need to go and watch The Godfather. I know it's one of those movies. Stop it, just right now. Stop <laughs> what you're doing. Go watch The Godfather. I don't know why I've never seen it. It's it's I I don't know. It's like I don't have it on DVD or anything. I've never seen it like on HBO, and I'm not gonna sit when it's on like AMC for nine hours and watch commercials. Go to the internet and download it. So okay, you got you got legally illegally because I'm not paying for it. Listen, okay, whoever has The Godfather, the guy whoever sent you 61, can you send him The Godfather, please? He needs The Godfather. I guarantee if you have 61, you probably have The Godfather. So. Please, can you send us the Godfather as well? That's going to be I'll a do, giant. I'll album. do my. I'll do a blog about it. It's unbelievable. No, because everybody's seen it. Nobody's. Everyone saw sixty one, and I just did my live my live thoughts about it. Uh, yeah, he's blog trashing you for not seeing the Godfather. Whatever. Unbelievable, unacceptable. Man card taken away. 
man card taken away. Yes. I hate it's, that. It's that bad. Yeah, well. Okay, I'll see it. Somebody send it to me and I'll, I'll gladly watch it. Which one? Which one's the best one? The second all one? Of, just watch them all. No, watch I heard the third all. one sucks. Just watch them all. You can make that judgment at that point. That's like 15 hours of, t- of movie. It's, it's, it's good television. I, I ain't got that kind of time. Yes, you do. We all know. Well, I'll have to skip some Yankee games. I'll tell you what happens. They'll, they'll probably be 500. <laughs> yeah, because Seesaw. This is a Seesaw team. They, yeah, yeah. they one game over 500, back to 500. One game under 500, After they win a game, just watch Godfather the next day. They lose a game, then watch the Yankee game, and then so on and so forth. It's same shit, different day with this team. Uh, and they've got the Texas Rangers, who are American League's best team, third best record in all of MLB, coming to the stadium for four games. It could get really ugly because Texas is a juggernaut right now. Yeah, and we are facing Cole Hamels. I think we avoided him the last time we played him. If I, if I he remember, was injured. he was injured. He got scratched like the day before they were supposed yeah. to play. Him. Okay, the rest of those guys. Uh, there's a there's one guy on there I've never even heard of. That I heard his name like for the first time a couple of days ago. He was three and zero pitching well. So a young kid, I assume, who was pitching. I think the last game of the series. Um, but there's there's guys who can be who could be hit. The the problem is is that our pitching needs to to actually perform in the first six innings so that we can get to the big three and. And uh, you know, keep down the offense of of Texas because they're playing very well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're clearly they're running away with the American League. Um, and then after Texas, they go to San Diego, so a West Coast National League. San Diego, San Diego, and uh, the Padres are last in the NL, one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, Chase Headley is making his triumphant return back to San Diego. <laughs> And I suggest the Yankees just leave him there. Just tell him that, like the plane's leaving at four o'clock, but it really leaves at three thirty, and he just gets stuck there. So, so dare dare you say this is a series that we should we should win? Uh, yeah, they, they should series, definitely right? win two out of three, if not sweep. But they'll probably lose one out of three because that's how this team does. Well, we'll see what happens. And and Chase Headley is uh, is not as bad as he used to be. He's still bad. He's not great, but he's one of the worst. Uh, he's one of the worst producing third basemen in baseball. I think he last, I, I mentioned it on the podcast last week. I believe he was second to last or third to last in OPS. Third base is a power position and he's getting paid like a power player and he's a singles hitter. I'm you sorry. know who he's I'm better not, than? I'm, you know who he's producing better give, than? I'm not going to give him credit. Yeah, he's better than Pablo Sandoval. Fat Thank Pablo you. Sandoval. I don't <laughs> yes. care. He sucks. I hate him. Moving forward. Moving forward, we have some mailbags. So Sergio sent us uh, a novel, but I appreciate it because it was very well thought out. It was very well done, Sergio, and uh, really, really major credit to the way you laid this out. Very good job. Sergio uh, sent us uh, his thoughts on what he thinks the Yankees should do, and we're not going to read it because it is long, but we're going to highlight some of it. But but honestly, Sergio, it was a very good email. Um, so he basically wants Brian Cashman to go to the Texas Rangers and make a deal um, – for Jerickson, Profar, and or Joey Gallo. And he, he, you know, both of these players are young. We've talked about Gallo in the past, um, who's only 22 years old, and he's got some versatility at first base, third base, and the outfield. And also uh, Profar, who has been playing very well for Texas so far, also has a lot of flexibility. They've moved him around first base, second base, shortstop, and third base. So really all you know you know utility player in the infield but he but he's a much better hitter than that um and, and basically what Sergio wants to do with this team is just stockpile a lot of young guys and, and a lot of guys that can play all over the field a lot of athletic players which I know you and I would definitely agree dude with. he is speaking to my he is speaking to me Sergio 
you are speaking to what I, I believe as well. I totally agree with everything you're saying. Yeah, and and the the Rangers, who as we just said, are the American League's best team right now, um, would be in a, a position where they think they could win the World Series this year. So they would uh, be more likely to trade a guy like Profar or Gallo for for maybe an Andrew Miller or something like that, who could put them over the top. So it's very interesting what he's saying because if you look at the Texas Rangers organization and 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 you're looking at where Gallo is and Profar the, the, there's guys that are that are talented that are already on the major league level that are playing positions that these guys would play as well Profar we know what he's he, he's been flexible all over the place Gallo is I think he's a, a natural third baseman if I'm not mistaken he was he came um, up as a third baseman but he he's played a decent amount of outfield Right. So, so these are these are both guys. Gallo is uh, is I think the 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 biggest, probably the 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 highest percentage of, of guy that they would get rid of at this point. Anyway, the the fact of the matter is is that the Yankees do have opportunities to to trade with these guys, and they do have what Texas is looking for, and that's relief pitching. And the fact that we have such top tier we have the best relief pitching you could possibly find and this team is so stacked right now and ready to go with uh with cole hamels with that trade they made for it everybody was kind of balking at wondering why they did that well they made that trade for this year granted they made a major comeback last year that nobody expected but at the end of the day that trade was for this year and the fact that um that you darvish is i know he got hurt again but he's coming back he should be back uh and and Hopefully, you know, is what they're thinking for the duration of the year. They have a, a pretty filthy one-two punch. They can lock up that bullpen, the end of the bullpen specifically. Then they do absolutely have a shot at, at going very deep into the postseason. So this is an opportunity. While yes, they would be giving up a good player, possibly two good players, um, they they can really help their chances this year. And this is a team with the Texas Rangers that that needs a World Series. These guys they need something to to build upon, and and. We ha- we might have exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, and Texas isn't going to just cough these guys up for nothing. But like you said, Andrew Miller uh, or, or Aldis Chapman or both is not nothing. I-, I still think Andrew Miller has one of the most trade values of any player on the trade market. Because one, he's so good. And two, he's locked up for very reasonable $9 million a year money for the next two years. Um, another fun fact that Sergio mentioned in this uh, email was that Didi and Profar were childhood teammates in Curacao, which is uh, obviously I did not know that, but um, that'd be cool to reunite them. Yeah, it's interesting. It's just one of those things where, where you know, I don't know how many people you know know about or or, the, or put too much stock in chemistry in a baseball team, but I personally put a lot of stock in chemistry on, on a on a team like this. And the fact that you have a guy who's very familiar with another guy, to me, that that's a big deal because you know if if you're if you're friendly with somebody, you know it's just like it's just like in working or friendship. Like you want to hang out with people you like, right? You 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 excel with people you like, especially you know as a coworker. If you like your coworkers, chances are you're gonna probably do better work. It's the same thing on the baseball diamond. If these guys, uh, you know, have a natural chemistry in there, and he could kind of help him get into the Bronx a little bit easier or something, it's just one of those things that's that doesn't show up on any stat sheet, but to me is a big deal, and and could definitely uh, could definitely help out, especially with a talented guy like that. And the way that Sergio ends his uh, mailbag is what I might title this week's podcast, and it's hashtag Make the Yankees Great Again. Uh, you know, uh, to that point, though, one one of the reasons that Sergio 
that Sergio mentioned in his in his email as well, and I totally agree with. And you talked about this earlier about stockpiling athletes, but he specifically talks about not looking for cherry picking talent based on position, but just stocking up the talent themselves. And, and then kind of laying it, letting it play out. And this is something that I totally believe in. And I know you're on the same page with me. And, and I think that's what you're seeing with Mateo by moving him around a little bit. And we've said this with Greg Bird. You know what I mean? When Before he got injured, we were the ones screaming for him to say, hey, let's, let's get him some right field action so that he can platoon with Beltran in right field and, and get Bird on this team because he's a talented guy that could probably play multiple positions because he's an athlete. He's a guy that can that can – has a high baseball IQ, and that's what Profar is. That's what that's what Gallo seems to be. So totally agree with it. Really, really tremendous. Uh, great mailbag. Great, great, uh, great job by, by Sergio. All right. So what do we got next? So the next one is from uh, our friend Brotron eighty eight at Brotron eighty eight on Twitter. Alex Fulton. He's a longtime listener of the show. He says, "Hey guys, love the show. Longtime listener. Wanted to hear your thoughts on signing the Cuban star Uleski Guerrero." He had 549 games last year. He's looking for about $40 million for four years. I like the idea of this. If they are going to go for the playoffs this year, I have a, uh, I think with freeing up contracts of Belchon and Tex next year, it's something the Yankees can definitely afford. I guess the only downside is he's replacing everybody's favorite third baseman, Andrews in particular, <laughs> is Chase Headley. He said, feel free to imply the sarcasm. Uh, then... He says, now, now you may say they can't go to the Headley contract due to his contract, uh, but, but using the sales pitch that he has hit 291 over the past two months, maybe somebody wants that. Who knows? Um, he says, you get what you can from him and sign the, the Cuban star. <clears throat> so the, we mentioned uh, Uleski Gurel uh, over the winter when yeah, long time there ago. was news that he was coming to Major League Baseball. But the Yankees um, are going to host a private workout for him next week in Tampa. And yeah, the stats that he mentioned last season in the Cuban League, 49 games, 500 batting average, 20 doubles, 15 home runs, and my favorite one, only three strikeouts. So, dude can rake. I love the fact that you said that was your favorite one, because that is my favorite too, Andrew. It's like we've done been doing a show for 80, 80 weeks in a row together or something. That's crazy. Fact, three strikeouts that, is crazy. That is crazy. The fact that this guy only strikes out three times, I love it, because give me more people that know how to put the bat on the ball because guess what happens when you do that good things good things happen so here's and the I downside. want more of that you know me I got to mention the downside he is 31 years old and he's played a lot of years in the Cuban league and there is some risk with that I mean look at what the Red Sox are dealing with with Rusny Castillo who was only 28 years old when they signed him to 72 million dollars I mean that guy could not play in the major leagues. He could barely play in AAA. So there is a risk when you're signing a guy who's a little bit older out of Cuba because you don't have the development time in in the prof- in Major League Baseball or in the Major League Baseball minor league systems. Right. Um, so so there is a risk. But is there not an asterisk on that 31? Let's all be honest. Exactly. Probably more like 33, 34. Uh like El Duque, like El Duque is 90 years old right now, but he's looked the same for the last 20 years. So who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so but um, what I was going to say is that uh, with that risk, um, it's only 40 million dollars. That is what he's looking for. He's not looking for like a mega 72 million dollar contract, which is surprising because I think somebody might be suckered enough to do it. But if it's four years, $40 million, I, I wouldn't mind taking that risk, especially if after the private workout, uh, the Yankees see if they really like him. 
like uh, like uh, Brotron eighty eight was saying, you know, figure out a way to deal with that Chase Headley contract if you got a guy who you think can contribute this year going forward. Um, and, and another aspect of this whole thing is that his younger brother Lourdes is uh, only twenty two years old, and uh, he is also a third baseman shortstop. And Ben Badler, I don't know if you're familiar with him from Baseball America. I, I do enjoy his stuff. Compared him to a younger Ryan Zimmerman. So, oh, um, yay. No, Ryan Zimmerman <laughs> was, was pretty damn good for the Nationals from about 2008 through 2013. Yeah, he had a couple of good years, I guess. The, it's crazy to me that this guy is, is uh, the older brother, Uleski, is looking for a four-year, uh, $40 million contract. To me, if I'm that guy and I'm that guy's agent, I'm, I'm playing for like you know a one- to two-year bigger contract and, and trying to prove myself so I can get something a little bit better. It's it's. I feel like they're selling himself short at that. Well, point. again, he knows it's like, yeah, I'm saying I'm 31 years old, but I'm really 34 years old, and yeah. they're gonna figure that out. That I'm I, I got a lot of miles on my legs. Yeah, I guess it's it's uh it's interesting. It's we'll see what happens, but they're definitely giving him a private workout, so that says something. They're looking at him. He was a Yankees fan growing up. Good news. I think a lot of Cuban players are. Yeah, I mean the Yankees for a while uh, were big in the Cuban market, obviously with um, uh, Contreras and El Duque, uh, but they've stayed out of the Cuban market recently. And, you know, think about all the big names that have come out recently: uh, Jose Abreu, Rusny Castillo, who I mentioned, Cespedes, and Moncada. They they didn't touch those guys. Yeah, these are Moncada was a guy that they were definitely rumored to be involved with, uh, but the Red Sox. Got they won the the bidding on that one you should say but that's a guy also got a lot of money as a single A player I mean that's that's a big risk but again it's not it, he's young so you he is young you, I, it's I, a longer term investment than if the Yankees were to sign Uleski and he he can't hack it that's instant forty million dollars down the tubes because you can't develop him he's he's past development age. All right, so thank you, Alex, for the mailbag, and thank you, Sergio. Again, if you want to submit mailbags, it's bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. All right, so now coming up on the show, we are going to talk to Robert Pimpsner from Pinstripe Prospects, so enjoy that discussion. We are welcoming on the show Robert Pimsner from Pinstripe Prospects. On Twitter, you can find the website and him at Pinstripe Pros. Robert, what's going on? Thanks for joining. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. We had you on, I believe it was in November, to talk about a lot of the Yankee prospects. And the, the mood was very high then because there's a lot of guys in the system that Yankee fans should be excited about. And I, I still think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about, so we figured we'd have you back on. Uh, considering you know maybe the Yankees' major leagues team is not doing so hot right now but the the minor league guys seem to still be playing pretty well so there's still a lot to look forward to in the future in this organization oh there's a lot to like in the minor league system because you have right now most of the teams vying for a playoff push you got scranton tied for first place in their in their division trenton's in second and i think 17 games above 500 something like that and they're in second place in their division you got Tampa and Charleston, who each won their four first half championship, so they'll be in the playoffs. And Staten Island had that incredible, having an incredible run to start off their season. They're in first place in their division, so there's a lot to like in the minor league system right now. All the guys that we've been talking about, that we talked about, you know, at the end of last year, and uh, you know, Baseball America, and everybody's been been kind of hyping up, seems to be living up to expectations for the for the most part. So that's definitely exciting. 
Oh, of course. It's it's definitely once when these guys play well, they are going to win and they're going to have a lot better games. And that's what you're seeing now. These guys are healthy and they're playing and they're winning. Yeah, one of those guys I think Scott was alluding to who's leading the Scranton offense right now is Aaron Judge, who I looked up his stats in June. They're unbelievable. He's hitting 337 with eight homers and a 1.148 OPS. I never know how to say that, 1,000 or or 1.1. 15 homers on the season, which I think leads the team, right? Well, Judge is a lot to like. He's learning how to hit AAA pitching, but he's still having a lot of trouble with the breaking ball and getting his starting mechanics down. So there is a lot of work for him to be done. And I know a lot of fans are wanting him to be promoted right now. Give him time. He just came out of a slump. Yeah. So let him get his confidence back. Let him work on the things he needs to work on. And hopefully we'll see him come September because he will have to be added to the 40-man roster during the offseason. So he will most likely be called up during September for September call-ups. And I think that is what I think a lot of logical Yankee fans were expecting going into this season, especially considering that Judge struggled at the end of last year in AAA. He did have some growing pains to get over. You mentioned the breaking balls issue. Uh, how has he looked in June facing the breaking ball? Is he still struggling with that? Yeah, he's still having a little struggle with that. He's faced a lot of a lot better pitching than he's used to this year in AAA. So he needs he still needs to gain that confidence in himself and be able to drive the balls the other way as well as pull the ball. But he's he's getting there. He's not he's not as he's not struggling as he was at the end of last season. But he's still developing, and you need to let him develop. And you can't stunt his development by having him call up to the majors, do bad, and sit on the bench or hurt the guy's confidence. So you need to let him play it out in the minors and let him get himself ready. Confidence. We know we know that the Yankees brass uh, puts a lot of stock in the confidence uh, of these guys, and, and they don't ever want to bring them up to to shatter confidence and then send back, send them back down. But in all honesty, I think the biggest thing is, is that he's getting playing time every single day, and he's working on that pitching from everybody from everybody who's talking about him in the in the big leagues. You know, David Cohen was actually talking about him on the game today that. You know, this is a very coachable guy. He's making a lot of adjustments when he came to AAA because in the beginning of that, you know, when he first got to Scranton, he really struggled. Now this year we're seeing him, you know, make make strides, big strides, leading the uh, leading the team. And I think he's one of the one of the league leaders in home runs as well. So this guy's definitely making making strides and, and proven to be coachable. So that's that's really good sign, especially with a big guy like that, knowing, you know, how athletic he is and that he can make these adjustments to me is a very good sign. And Joe Girardi yep. even took notice, and he meant there was a quote from Joe Girardi that that said that took note of of how hot Judge was, which is you don't always hear Joe Girardi mention the the minor league guys, so you really have to be doing something special, I think, to get the attention of the major league manager. But is Aaron Judge, you, you know, is he going to ever crush breaking balls, or is it just going to be something he's going to have to learn to manage? And yeah, he's going to strike out a ton in the major leagues, but he's also going to hit a lot of home runs. Is that his potential? You know, we always talk about with pitchers, tall pitchers, how they have a lot of moving parts in mechanics, but it's also true with hitters. And, you know, he's a tall guy at 6'7", so when he figures that out, it's going to be big for him. I I can't really find anyone else to compare Judge to but in, in that regard, but he will figure it out, and I think he will. You'll see him hit for power. You'll see him hit for average. He won't be 3 10, 320, but he'll hit in the high 200s and he'll get you there and he'll, he'll have the RBIs. 
I think eventually he'll be, he will get the breaking balls down. He just needs to find the confidence in himself. So assuming that nothing goes wrong, I'm knocking on wood, meaning injuries or anything like that, and he doesn't have a horrendous second half, uh, and he does get called up during September, is he the 2017 starting right fielder for the Yankees? Oh, that's that's tough to call. I mean, I would love to see him there, or at least, at the very least, I would like to see him platooning. But it's all depends on what the Yankees want to do. And, you know, there's a lot of talks about trades lately, so we never know. I mean, there's it's all leading up to that, unless because of... Because of Beltron's resurgence this year, and and you know if they were to get some kind of a, a one to two year team friendly contract, which won't be team friendly, I can guarantee you, the he uh, he he's a guy that they could look at platooning in right field. I, I don't really want to see that happen. Um, although I I'm extremely happy and I'm, I'm you know impressed with the way Beltron's played this year. I think uh, I think this is Judge's spot, and I'm pretty sure Beltron knows that, and I think everybody else and. You know, you you were looking for some kind of a comparison, and this is a, a giant stretch. But Yankee fans know who this is. But based on what you just said, um, you know, high eighty, high two hundreds uh, average, hits for power, drive-in runs, sounds a lot like a, a guy that we know uh, named Dave Winfield. I mean, obviously, it's in its size. I mean, Winfield was a big guy. Um, and, and he's I, also a 280 hitter. I mean, he's a 270, 280 hitter, hit home runs. I mean, this it's that type of player is what I'm saying. I mean, granted. You, you, you got to have a giant career to be a Dave Winfield guy. But as far as size um, and then, you know, the, you know, for the for that type of average and then power, it seems like that style player, like that type of a player. Well, that would be amazing because Dave Winfield is a Hall of Famer. So no doubt. I think if you if you if the Yankees were to sign up for a Hall of Fame career from Aaron Judge, everyone would be on board with that. I'm positive, baby. You know, I got to look at this <laughs> as a positive streak. Come on. The one thing you got to make sure, though, is when you bring him to the majors and he will struggle a little bit. Let him learn there because once you bring him up and he's ready for the majors, he's going to have to learn how to hit major league pitching in the majors. You're not going to find major league pitching in AAA. Well, that's that's something that, um, you know, I, I look at Luis Severino, who had a very good second half for the Yankees last year, absolutely struggled in April this year. And it seemed like they were going to let him figure it out, but it was really hurting the team. So you're telling me if he comes up and he makes the team out of spring training 2017 and he's hitting 120 and striking out a ton that the Yankees are going to just deal with those growing pains? I think you're going to have to deal with growing pains for at least one year. If you really want to build a team for the long haul, you're going to have to deal with it for at least one year. You know, look at the Mets. They They didn't get there overnight. Yeah, I, I, but but to that exact same point, look at the Mets. They just sent down Michael Conforto, who was their outfielder of the, who is their, you know, a cornerstone of that franchise uh, on the as a as a position player, and it just got it became too much, and they and they sent him down. So I, I don't think that the first of all, this is way in the future. We don't even know if he's going to struggle. But if he's struggling at a, a you know under at an under two hundred clip, and this guy needs some some more seasoning, if they see that next year, I do not think that they will hesitate to send him down at least for uh, you know to find that swing again. I have a good feeling if they think he's going to struggle at all, they'll keep him down and give him a little bit more seasoning in AAA. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him spend half of next season in AAA to start off just to make sure he's ready. Yeah, that, that's also something. And I think probably a lot of it depends on how he plays next spring. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a decent spring training this year, but I don't think there was ever really 
any thoughts of him making the opening day roster unless there was some sort of injury to Beltron or something like that. So I think next year, if he has a good spring training, then we could see him on the opening day roster. But like you said, it's not the end of the world if he has to spend a couple more months in AAA because this team needs to be thinking about long term. Yes, they, they, they could you know, still make the playoffs. Obviously this year, they could make the playoffs in 2017, but Aaron Judge is a long-term play and that's how they should be looking at him. Another guy who's a long-term play behind the plate is Gary Sanchez, who we briefly, very briefly saw come up in the, uh, I think it was May of this year to help the Yankees out against left-handed pitching. Um, he, he had that thumb injury that sort of gave him a little setback this year, but how is he progressing not only with that injury, but also How's he looking? Um, how's he looking on the season? You know, he's he's looking pretty good for Triple A and Triple A. You know, he's hitting two seventy four on the season, and he's back playing every day. So it's once he gets back into the groove, he'll start hitting. I mean, his last ten has been a little bit hard, been a little bad with hitting one seventy nine. But once he gets his groove down, he'll get back to where he was. Give him some time. We still have Brian McCann and Austin Romine in the majors. So I don't think there's really any rush to get him back right now. And we also got guys like Kyle Higashioka who's, stand, who's uh, stepping up to fill the void in double A. What is it do you think about Brian Cashman and the Yankees organization ability to draft and develop catchers? Because out of all the positions, it seems like they have a lot of guys who can contribute behind the plate. But they struggle, really they struggle in the starting pitching uh, department and also uh, for other position players. But catcher seems to be one they can always hit on. Like Yankees got a very good catching, instructing staff in the minors. And going back to uh, the, their catching coordinator, which is Josh Paul, he's pretty, he's pretty good. I mean, I'm sure you remember him from the majors. And they really stress defense with the catching and communication because they really like to have the catchers work with the pitchers even in short season and rookie ball they have the catchers calling the game with a little bit of help from the dugout but they do have the catchers calling the game and figuring the things out and they teach them from very young age this is what you need to do and they pick it up very well when I was when I was looking at the the stats and looking up certain guys in the minors, I wanted to talk with you about uh, you guys that you know you guys have seen a little bit more in depth. I was looking at some of the split numbers from Gary Sanchez, and the, they were actually extremely uh, surprising to me. Obviously, we we you know he we know he was brought up to hit against left-handed pitching, but when I looked at the splits, the there's a drastic difference actually when he is facing left-handed pitching and right-handed pitching, and it's not in the way that you think it would be. He has been dominating right-handed pitching. And and actually really struggling against left-handed pitching, I, and I it really kind of baffles my my brain when I saw that. So, what do you think that's a, that's attributed to? And uh, I mean, have the coaches talked about this? Uh, I've not heard anything from the coaches in AAA about it. I mean, I'm sure it is something they're working on, but the amount of times you'll see lefties is a lot less than you'll see righties. So I'm sure it'll take a little while for him to get that going. And has he also been getting reps at first base? Yeah, he has been getting getting some uh, time at first base. If whether it's in the game or not, that all works out. He is working out pregame in the workouts at first base to try to, you know, make him a little bit more versatile. Same way Romine did it last year, and a lot of they have a lot of their catchers doing that. So it's not something that's 
just exclusive to Gary Sanchez and Romine. It, it's something that they have throughout the system. Their guys working on. Yeah, so I mean, Austin Romine was always um, his defense was always the best part of his game. It was if he can just hit at an okay level, he can be a major league catcher. So, uh, but with Gary Sanchez, it's kind of the opposite, where his offense is the number one thing in his game, and he's an average defensive catcher. So, do you think the Yankees have long term plans at having him? be a split guy where he, he's going to get a lot of time at first base. Maybe next year he could uh, play some first base along with Greg Bird. I'm not too sure, but it's a good way to get ease him into the majors as well as ease Bird in, in as well because the more versatile these guys are, the better it is for the team because especially if they can hit, you get fit them anywhere in the roster they can. And let's not forget, Bird himself even started out as a catcher. And and Sanchez is a guy they've invested a lot of years in. I believe they signed him when he was 16 years old or something like that. So he's been in their in their minor league system a long time. They, uh, I mean, they've stuck with him this this long. They traded guys like Jesus Montero, uh, John Ryan Murphy, Francisco Cervelli. So it sounds like they have thought of Sanchez sort of on the next level above all of those guys, and and they want him to be a part of this team, and and they're going to do everything they can to sort of fit him in. I agree. I think they're going to do whatever they can to to fit him in the majors, and I think they'll find a place for him. Um, another guy that uh, some Yankee fans were excited about uh, was James Caprellian, who was the 2000, uh, 2015 first-round pick for the Yankees. He was having an electric start to the season down in Tampa, and then he had some elbow inflammation that put him on the sidelines in April. But is he back in throwing? What's some updates on Caprellian? Our guy down in Tampa, Antonio, he got got us an update on him last night. Uh, we talked to him. He's scheduled to hopefully be back in game action sometime in July. He's throwing right now, but he's not throwing off the mound yet. He's like doing warm ups in the in the outfield, throwing off throwing off a flat surface. But he's scheduled to hopefully be back game time sometime in July, which we kind of expected. So hopefully we'll see him. In the next few weeks, so the elbow inflammation is always scary. It's the three worst words in Major League Baseball: Tommy John surgery. Is that something that might be in his future? I thought you were going to say elbow inflammation was three words. I was confused. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh, as for Tommy John surgery, I think that's why they're being cautious and they're taking their time with them. Because the more cautious you are, the the more time you have the the elbow to heal on its own and the less likely he will need surgery. So I think that's why you, you haven't really seen him much. And that's why they're taking so much time. He's one of those guys He's that one- was worried, worrisome for me, you know, ever since they, ever since they drafted him actually, just by, by looking at them, the, the guys that have that inverted W, the, you know, guys like, uh, like Strasburg has it. Um, uh, Mark Pryor's is one of the, one of the obviously infamous guys who had it and struggled and struggled to stay healthy. There's just a lot of torque on that elbow, and when I'm seeing elbow inflammation this early in his career, it really, really is raising a, you know a lot of flags for me. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm skeptical that this kid can can go the long road with with the mechanics that he does have and and stay healthy. So it definitely worries me. While while he's electric and and he's you know he's he's due to shoot up in, into the into you know through the system and into the majors, probably I mean probably as early as the end of next year. I mean with pitchers you can you can rise that fast. But guys that, that have that inverted W have a lot of torque on the elbow, and it definitely worries me. So hopefully he can stay healthy after this uh, after this little little hiccup. 
Oh, everyone had him coming up, possibly at the end of this year if he when he did before he. He got hurt, but now that the injury happened, we're being a little bit more cautious. And next year is a strong possibility for him. I'm not too worried because the Yankees are very good with their pitching developing. So I really hope to see them. They are work with this guy, take their time. <laughs> well, you, you, you sure see a about lot that? of pitches I don't know. system. I I I don't think that the Yankees uh, over the last ten years have been very good developing pitchers. I mean, you can count them on one hand. Starting pitches, you can count on one hand, but they're very good at developing pitchers of all t- of overall. All right, so is Caprellian earmarked for the bullpen like uh, Batances? I don't think so. I think long term he could be a starter. I mean, coming into coming into the draft, people were pegging him as a possible number three starter. That was before the velocity bump, and since he's been with the Yankees, he's maintained that velocity. And I think with that, he's probably going to be a, f- a f- possible front end guy. Uh, well, I certainly hope so. Um, One can said, hope. Yeah, you said velocity. And uh, speaking of velo- velocity, uh, Domingo Acevedo, who is probably not a name many Yankee fans have heard. I've heard his name, but I don't really know much about him. Uh, I, he's 22 years old. He's also a tall guy, 6'7", and he can throw 100-plus, right? Domingo Acevedo can throw his highest he was clocked at last year in San Island was 103 miles an hour in a start in Lowell and once in San Island. I don't remember the exact day, but he is a guy that can throw really hard and it's just amazing to watch. <laughs> so this is a dude that was actually just bumped up into to high A Tampa. So he's starting to move through the ranks. Is this a guy that uh, another another fast riser that can that can, you know, kind of fly through the fly through the uh, the minor leagues and potentially be a bullpen guy as soon as the end of this year, beginning next year? What kind of guy is this? I know a lot of people have him pegged as a possible bullpen guy because of how he has, doesn't have a lot of time pitching. He's a tall guy. He has to figure out his mechanics. A lot of people are comparing him to Patances. I look at him, I see more of a Pineda. He actually has a very similar emotion to Pineda, and I think you're going to have to be more patient with him. Let him figure out his pitching. He just got to high A, and he's struggling a bit, mostly because he has to learn how to pitch. He can't just be a thrower now, so he has to learn how to pitch, how to mix in his pitches, and how to hold on runners. So as this goes on, he's going to spend the rest of this year in high A. He'll probably start off next year in high A. He's not a guy that we're going to see in double A this year. He's not a guy we're going to see in the majors this year, and we're probably not going to see him in majors next year. Let him figure him, his stuff out and, and work towards it. He is a guy that, again, stays in the rotation. He's a possible front-end rotation guy, same like Pineda. So hopefully he can figure it out, and hopefully he doesn't struggle in the majors like Pineda has this year. <laughs> well, guys who started, starting pitchers who can throw 100 miles an hour is obviously rare, but you don't really see many of them – succeed long term because 100 miles an hour for seven six seven innings is not really sustainable i mean they're few and far between evaldi can can throw in the upper 90s uh and you know he had a really good may and then he's now he's struggling so fastball command is huge with him Syndergaard comes to mind he's always thrown 100 miles an hour and i think he's more of the exception than the rule so uh maybe you said he needs to learn to pitch acevedo could he benefit from maybe you know, dialing it down a few miles an hour and living around 95 and trying to locate a little better? 
Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, and you're seeing that a lot this year. He hasn't really been going 100 miles an hour with his pitches this year. He's dialing back a little, trying to focus on learn on pitching and get and get his outs. And he's also a guy that, you know, he, a lot of these pitchers grew up pitching, and, it's all, and that's one of the things they did when they were young. Acevedo didn't even start playing baseball until he was 16. So wow. he hasn't really had as much... Um, workload on his arm as a lot of these other pitches has so he still needs to learn well that's also good news as far as injury um you know a lot of guys who i'm sure injure their arms is because they've been throwing since they were nine years old in little league um so if he didn't start until he was 16 it let his arm develop a little bit more uh maybe hopefully he won't experience any injuries um in his career um, not to mention, not, real quick, not to mention, he's only been playing baseball for now six years if he's 22, so he can only get better. I mean, if he's if he's where he is at this point by playing baseball for six years, that's impressive. So, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of positive things uh, coming out of this kid. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very impressive to see where he came in six years. And from my own experience talking with him, seeing him work every day, this guy works harder than anyone I've ever seen. In this game, this guy is always willing to learn. He's always talking to his coaches. He's always looking at video. He really wants to get better, and he has that drive to get better, which is probably one of the most important things. The last guy I want to talk about before we get into a couple mailbag questions about some of these prospects is Vincente Campos, who is the second piece in the Michael Pineda trade. So he's been with the Yankees for a little while because that Pineda trade happened back in 2012. Um, So what's the update on Campos? Uh, he's looking really good. He looks like he's got his velocity back in the mid to high high 90s. He's in Trenton right now. He started off in Tampa, and he just mowed down the the, the Florida State League. And now he's up in Trenton, and he's pitching even better in the Eastern League. So I'm thinking this guy might find himself in AAA real soon and possibly in the majors this season and he's a guy that was once on the 40-man roster he was uh non-tendered yep. signed that we came back on a minor league deal he was just added back to the 40-man roster on this year he was opted down to the minors and now he's pitching his way back so he has one option left for next year so if i were them i would try to see what we got with this kid and i think eventually he's going to be a great bullpen arm if not a back of the rotation guy for these for the Yankees, and he's he's in the rotation right now in Trenton, right? He's he's a starting pitcher. Yes, he's a starting pitcher right now. Okay, and he's only twenty three years old, so he's been through a lot as a twenty three year old, getting traded yeah. when he was uh, must have been nineteen years old, had Tommy John surgery, so he's been through a lot. Um, sounds like he's trying to you know trying to come back, but it's, it seems silly saying come back when you're only twenty three years old. Well, that's a lot, a lot of these guys we think of. We don't realize these international guys, a lot of them sign at 16 years old, so they've been around a while. So, and, it's, and when you look at it, you're like, oh, he's only 23. Wow, it feels like we've been talking about him forever. I mean, we've had that with Gary Sanchez, so, uh, prospect fatigue. You know, we hear these guys for all, all years, but we don't realize how young they still are. Yeah, it's funny. I I remember seeing Gary Sanchez's name when I was in college, and I believe it was like junior year of college. So for me, that that was like seven years ago. And and Gary Sanchez is still not in the major leagues, but he's still not old. So you're absolutely right about that, where these international guys take a long time. Um, 
and you can get some uh, prospect fatigue. Uh, you talk about them for so long and, and you don't actually see anything for a while, but hopefully a lot of these guys can start to materialize. Okay, let's get into some mailbags now. The first one comes from Neil and he asks, is the Scranton shuttle dead? We've had a consistent dose of Nick Goody, Kirby Yates, and Richard Blyer. Blyer, sorry. Um, so the the Scranton shuttle is uh, was something they really used a lot last year, shuffling that last guy in the uh, in the bullpen up and down uh, to Scranton. And Scott and I talked about this a lot on on the podcast a few months ago. With the addition of Chapman, you know how you now have big three. So the there's more guys locked into the bullpen, so you don't have the constant uh, rotating door. But um, what's the update on the Scranton Shuttle, and, and why have the Yankees not really been using it as much? Well, I think, like you said, they really have the bullpen spots locked down, and I think they've, they're starting to realize you can't retard the developments of the, your AAA starting pitchers by setting them up and down and having them relieve in the majors. You really want them to develop as starters in the minor leagues so you can have them as starters in the majors. And you see, you've seen that going back to Jabba, where they kept moving him around and and all that it really hurt his development you don't want to do that to a young guy like a brady lale who is a finesse guy a guy that doesn't necessarily throw very hard but is a control guy a guy that's much better off pitching more innings in triple a than he is relieving one or two innings in the majors yeah and, and a lot of the guys that we're talking about uh kirby yates nick goody uh louis sessa who just got called up for nick goody They've been so inconsistent. It's one time they come in and they look great. They get the guys out one, two, three. And the next time they come out, walk a guy, give up a two-run home run, and you're scratching your head. It's like, why can't these guys, uh, you know, where's the consistency with these guys? It's either sky high or or rock bottom for them. So, uh, you know, what do you see out of those guys? And maybe who are some other guys that that are currently in Scranton that we could see maybe uh, later in the season? Well, I'm thinking definitely in Scranton, you're going to start seeing you. We're going to see Johnny Barbado back in the majors again. I'm, I think that's pretty much a given. I think Tyler Webb is due for a call up. We might see Mark Montgomery, guy that we've talked about a lot in the past, but kind of fell off prospect maps. You know, there's a lot of guys down there that we'll see, but it's the guys in Trenton that are a lot more exciting because a lot of guys in AAA are more guys have been around the game a lot longer and guys oh, that they've signed to uh, minor league deals you know, like Pestano and, and all those guys. So we're going to see a lot more guys come up soon. I'm I'm really hoping you see a lot more major league debuts coming in the next few months, especially depending on how the Yankees uh, play out at the trade deadline. I forgot about Montgomery. Actually, yeah, is he he's in AAA right now, and is he is he having a good season? Mark Montgomery, yes, he's in AAA right now. He started off in Trenton, and he really looked really good in Trenton for the Thunder, and then he got a a, a bump to uh, Scranton after nine games. You know, he's 16 innings in AAA. He's got a 3.38 ERA. Not necessarily that good. Not necessarily bad, but he did throw 10 innings in double A and had a 1.8 ERA over over uh, nine games. So he's a guy that I'm hoping has found his stuff again and could, at least for short term, contribute in the major leagues. And and speaking of the guys that you were talking about, Barbados is a guy that obviously had a very good spring. We, we know 
what he he can be potentially when he was with the with the with the major league squad and he he kind of entered into those struggles you know it, it very well could have been a nerve thing it could have been you know a confidence thing uh, up at the majors once once that first blow comes you know it, it kind of it, it's a learning experience at that point because these guys have never been through that so hopefully he's a guy that we know has good stuff could come back up and and prove himself again on the major league level another guy that's kind of along those lines which and I, I know where this is going because you've already told me we don't have much information about him. But the, the guy that I cannot believe we're not talking about anymore, and I don't know if the injuries just completely took his career or what, but Jacob Lindgren is a guy who was supposed to be a staple in our bullpen for, for years to come. And, you know, after he had that, that arm injury last year, we really haven't heard much from him. I myself am wondering what's going on with him. We've tried to get some information on his status, but so far we haven't heard anything back. Uh, he started off the season in Tampa, which shocked everyone. No one expected him to start in high A. But we're like, okay, maybe they're just keeping him down there just to, you know, just for the colder months up north, so he could ease ease back into pitching in a warmer warmer climate. Then he got hurt again. He got shut down, and we just haven't heard anything from him. That scares me. No news is in this case is I it's think bad, bad news. news. Yeah. yeah, because it, that what scares me is the fact they might not know what's going on with them, and uh, it might be sort of like a freak injury situation. And yeah, you're right, Scott. We were so excited about Lingren last May. He came mm-hmm. up and he got hit, but we sort of chalked it up to uh, maybe he was injured, and he just has not really been able to recover since then. So um, he's definitely a guy who I, I think uh, the Yankees were counting on. If you, if you think about a year ago this time. Um, all right, next mailbag question is from a uh, Bronx Pinstripe News Team guy, Tyler Fielder, and he asks, when is a reasonable timetable for Mateo to move up through the system? And uh, we have not talked about Jorge Mateo yet on this podcast, but he is definitely one of the more well-known Yankee prospects uh, over the last year. Well, one thing with Mateo to really look at it, you know, a full year in high A might not be a bad thing for him. I'm, I know for sure there there's been some concerns about his attitude in uh, high in uh, Tampa, and he's struggled a little bit lately. You know he's he's had a lot of struggles the last few weeks, and he's just recently starting to get out of it. I do know he did have a meeting with the Yankees coaching staff about possible living arrangements in AA, but right now they seem to be holding holding off because of the struggles he's had. So. We'll see what where he's going in, in that regards. Speed so, speed is one of the best aspects of his game. He I believe stole over seventy bases last season. Um, but what has been the biggest struggle? Has it been uh, has it been at the plate? What you know? What's been the biggest struggles for him this season? I would say probably the attitude problem I've been hearing a lot about, and it's something that he will need to adjust going forward. I know he's had had to have a lot of meetings with coach coaches early on in the season about his attitude stuff like not running out a, a fly ball and stuff like that we'll see it, it's all depends if we saw this with Jorge, with um, Jesus Montero and Gary Sanchez a little bit these guys you know get all the hype and they develop these attitudes some of them like Gary Sanchez turn things around and get their minds right others don't you're talking about the attitude that that's that's kind of disheartening hearing that that he's uh i don't know maybe he's getting a little too big for his britches or he thinks he's uh 
you know, he's uh, he's this big prospect and that's going to his head. Uh, you know, hopefully it's a maturity thing. He's a young kid. You know, he grows out of that. I know what I was like at that age and I was I was I was not nearly ready for anything in the world. You were a dick, let's be honest. Yeah, I was horrible. And I wasn't playing professional baseball either. And this kid is somebody who's also been in the middle of a a position move as well. I know the the Yankees were moving him to second base so that we could get some flexibility with this guy so that he could get more comfortable at another position as well because as we know, we have the the middle infield in the Bronx right now is pretty much set and and the fact that uh, a shortstop with Didi really playing well, kind of taking that position, you know, for his own and really locking it up. You know, there there may be flexibility with Castro in the future, and and second base might be a better, more clear path for Mateo to get to the majors. So how's he how's he handling that transition? And uh, you know, n- maybe not just the transition, but also you know, working back and forth from second base and shortstop. Yeah, I've been told by our guy down there that he's looked a lot better at second base than he has at short. I mean, he this is a guy that. You know, has the defensive chops to be a shortstop, but as you move up in the Yankee system, and right now we all know that the Yankees have just so much shortstop depth in the minors that they have to play multiple positions, and we've seen that everywhere. Every guy is not just a shortstop. They're playing all over. They're playing second base, and they're playing third base. Some are playing the outfield. You know, they got to get their, their at-bats in, and you have to do what you can to get the at-bats in. Playing second base can only help him in the long run, especially when it comes to shifts, which you will see a lot more once he gets to double A AA and triple A, he'll be doing a lot more shifts on batters. So he has to get used to that, especially in game action. But all the practice in the world does not compare to a game and that's one thing that they have to learn. So last year at the trade deadline, Jorge Mateo was labeled as untouchable. I believe there was a the Padres were asking for Mateo in exchange for Craig Kimbrell. And uh, Cashman turned him down. And that's before we really knew too, too much about Mateo. He was sort of just starting to play really well in the minors. Do you think, uh, you know, what we've learned over the last year, you, you just mentioned he might have an attitude problem. Would you, do you think the Yankees organization still considers him to be untouchable? I don't think they, they consider him to be as untouchable as he was, but I think they'll move him only if the right deal comes along and it's like a blow away deal for them. I think that's that's what it'll come down to. They have to be blown away. But I don't think they'll move him for just anything. Do you think a reason that maybe he uh, it would have to be the right deal is because Didi has really progressed, as Scott just said, and Castro, you know, they traded for Castro, so they have a little bit more um, uh, reassurance at what they have at the major league level up the middle? Or do you think it's strictly due to his um, what they've learned over the last year? I think it's a it's a little bit of everything. You know, DD and Castro have pretty much done well in the majors, and you got Tyler Wade who's come on strong in in in, in this year, and you got Abitol Avellino, you got guys like Tyro Estrada, you got Kyle Holder. You know, you got all these guys that are like really coming along, and they're all similar guys, guys that started out natural shortstops, but are playing all over, so. We'll see. We'll see. It's it's a mixture of everything. Not to mention, we just drafted a second baseman also, who was uh, who I know they they just signed and and he's he's coming into the system. So that's another guy up the middle that's going to be competing at, at at some level. So there's definitely a lot yeah, you're of talent. Talking about Nick Solak yep. out of Louisville. 
Yeah, so uh, so thank you to uh, Tyler and also Neil for submitting the mailbag questions. And Robert, thank you for coming on and giving us an update on, on these minor league guys. You know, as I said when we first, you know, started recording with you that Yankee fans really should be excited about this, this farm system. I think that uh, more so than any time in the last 15 years, they have uh, more talent in the system, which is definitely good to see. Oh, yeah, this is a very talent-rich farm system right now. If I had to rate them, I'd probably rate them somewhere around 10 or 11 right now. Um, I'd love to see them top five, but they're not there yet. They're going to get there soon. And they're really learning that they really need to develop these guys and really need to rely on their farm system. And one of those things, it takes time. It's not going to be an overnight thing, and they're working on it, and the results are showing. All right, so again, you can get Robert on Twitter at Pinstriped Pros, and that'll do it for the Bronx Pinstripe Show this week. We will talk to you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.